Jesse live from the ESPN 690 and a jar and Levine studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Friday, everybody. We made it. We put the work in. It's time to reap the benefits. I can't wait to take some time off here next week. I'll be gone Thursday and Friday, obviously prepping for my fight. My co-host, Brett Martineau, is out today. So I will be steering the ship with my co-navigator. Is there a co-navigator such thing? Who cares? Justin Coos pushing all the right buttons with the hat on backwards. Yeah. Ken Grippy style. Well, it's, you know, it's Friday. I don't really feel like doing my hair. You Casual know? Fridays, man. Well, yeah. Casual Fridays. And, like, I, I woke up early for WandaVision, so, like... Okay. Don't spoil it for me because I haven't watched I it yet. Because here, here's what I'm going to do. Like, I, I was going to binge the whole thing, right? Because I heard it's crazy. I heard there's It'll a lot fast, of Easter eggs and everything. The episodes are, like, 30 minutes, maybe. I like it. And but I heard the there's lots of... Follow- watch. Oh, of course, man. Okay. It's Marvel. What yeah, are we talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. here? Watch the credits. But I, I want the honest Coos assessment... Of what you thought about WandaVision, because obviously I see it all over Twitter right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, people are going crazy with it. I've avoided the spoilers, thankfully. Yeah. It hasn't been easy. So without spoiling the show, yeah. what was your assessment of WandaVision? I think it was a great setup for what they're working towards next, like okay. with the with the the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier yes. and Doctor Strange three and Spider Man. Like, it's a really good setup. Okay. The first, I think, uh, I think it was seven or eight episodes. The they were all about thirty minutes long, except like for the last two were like forty and forty-five minutes. But still, very, very, very digestible. Quick, which quick I'm all and for. to the point, which is great. Let's get that. The last two that they added time to, I was like, this means it's going to be awesome. Yeah. The last two were super letdowns. Really? And, so, like, and the, I don't want to give anything away, but no, yeah, sorry. I was because like even though like. There was, I want to say it was the director or someone came out and was like, there's a big cameo. Okay. Well, there wasn't a big cameo. He was, he, he said it jokingly, he was in it. <laughs> so okay. Like, so, like, that was the big cameo. So, like, everyone's like, oh, Doctor Strange is going to be, it, nothing like that. Now, here's the thing, happens. though. Did you miss the cameo? Like, was it in the background and, like, it even, was like a secret if, you didn't if, notice? If I hadn't seen, like, a, a fan put out a video be like, oh, did you see the cameo the director was in it? I would have been like, no, he lied. Like, nobody was okay. in this. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I, I could care less about the director being in something. Yeah. Even, yeah. like, with all due respect to Quentin Tarantino, because, you know, he famously puts himself yeah, no, um, that's in his fine. movies, which is, hey, that's great and everything, but that's not, like, urgent must this, see breaking this, news. It, it, what this was was to launch the next of everything, essentially, sure. in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So for that, I appreciate what it was. I was very disappointed with the last two episodes because I really thought we were going to have some crazy fight scenes and just and some see, epicness. Now that turns me off a little bit. Because like to but me, you, it's but you have to finish. watch it. It's like no, you, I'm, I you know, know what I mean. Like, I know. I got to put the time like, in. I understand it. Like, and, and I don't want to give too much away, but they essentially announced today that they're relaunching the X Men stuff. Yes. There is a tie in there. So. A lot of tie-ins. Yes. Okay. It, it really is like a huge. It was the next step. So. Okay. Well, you have to watch. It. I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out for sure. Uh, I'll probably binge it next week and have it done before the following weekend. Yeah. I'm intrigued for sure, but. You aren't the only one that's told me now that the endings were kind of a letdown, which is unfortunate because... Oh, it's such a build-up. For, for for seven episodes, they're building up to this tension, and then it's just like, 
Oh, we resolved it. See, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, Coos, uh, and like you aren't the first person to say this. I feel like everybody online is saying this right now. But like that doesn't make me want to watch it. Like, yeah. I don't want to put the time and be like, all right, this is I crazy. Know. And then all of a sudden, we'll wait for this letdown of an ending. But I yeah, guess we'll it, see. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. We'll see. Okay. But speaking <laughs> of letdown a little bit, I understand that it's mock draft season. And I understand that people got bills to pay. And you got to make people subscribe uh, to your college football or NFL takes sometimes. Like, everyone's got to pay the bills. And I understand that. But what disappoints me is it seems like every single day there's something new on the Zach Wilson front um, involving the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, for the most part, I've turned a blind eye. Zach Wilson, I, I, I wish you nothing but the best. I like the headband. I like the swag. I like your story. I like the way you play the game of football. But I'm all set. All right? I'm Team Trevor Lawrence, right? We have coups tracking Trevor Lawrence 24-7. It's really becoming his job. TMZ's already reached out to Justin Kuzar and saying, hey, you want to come work for us? And thankfully he's turned them down. He, Anything new on the Trevor Tracker, by the way? I got be. I think I sent it to you guys. Behind the scenes look of him doing yes. a photo shoot yeah. with the, uh, it was like a leaf blower. So yeah. that his hair would well, flow. And then, then arm still in the sling, Kuz. Can you confirm or arm out of the sling? Yes. So I ended up following the therapist place that he's <laughs> you going. You did not. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I like the commitment. I like I think, the commitment. Um, oh, there was another quarterback there. I forget who it was, but like they were kind of showing. It was more like it was an article that was talking about this um, this place saying that he's progressing faster than they sure. thought. Yeah. And so that he might be able to get back to throwing a little bit sooner than they were thinking. And so I followed it, and they've been putting out these cool little tips. But essentially, they just showed that they were like looking at his shoulder, and, yeah. and he's good. Cool, cool. I mean, yeah, the, the biggest thing, and we've talked about this a little bit, but the biggest thing for Trevor Lawrence, and like he plays a position where strength isn't isn't the most important thing, and obviously strength in your opposite throwing shoulder, like that, you know, you don't need to be as strong as it as it once was, right? Like I don't need Trevor Lawrence uh, to increase his bench max. I think if a quarterback's even benching, um, you got issues. Now I'm sure Tim Tebow back in the day could bench press 225 probably 15, 20 times, but you don't need that from your quarterback, right? Like they wear the red shirt in training camp for a reason. And there is a reason why when we're in training camp and we're in the squat rack, we're doing deadlifts, we're putting the heavy weight on with the chains and everything. We're moving around weight. The quarterbacks from the corner with their stretch bands, just kind of working on that shoulder mobility, right? Because that's what quarterbacks do. So that's the biggest thing with Trevor Lawrence going forward. And once again, now I'm throwing shoulder. So not the biggest of deals, but you, you got to make sure that that shoulder um, has its full range or at least close to the full range that it had before. Because even when you're a quarterback and you throw at the opposite shoulder, and once again, I'm a defensive end, so what do I know? But I just think that if you have that shoulder stiffness and that follows you into training camp and that follows you into a game, it's going to be noticeable. Um, so hopefully, I'm sure, Kuz, like you've been saying, you've been tracking him. I'm sure he's working on shoulder mobility, uh, shoulder stability, maybe some strengthening as well. But when you play the quarterback position, I don't need you to look good for muscle and fitness. What I need you to look good for is a, a front page of a yoga magazine one day showing off your mobility. Do you think Trevor Lawrence gets the next Lulu Lemon endorsement, a la Nick Foles. I think he's trying to get a Gatorade endorsement right now. Him and his fiance are drinking Gatorade out of the can on a beach. Real question. As of an hour ago. For, okay. First of all, <laughs> first of all, I want to know where you get Gatorade in the can in public. 
because I haven't really seen it that much. This one's lemon lime flavored too. Oh, I mean that's the that's the OG Coos. Is it okay? Next question though. You ever had Gatorade out of a can? I have not. I did, like, oh, I, this is actually Coos. the first time I've seen it in a can. So. so let me go ahead and fill you behind the scenes a little bit. There is nothing more enjoyable after a football practice or, uh, for your case, maybe a basketball YMCA session and than nice, Gatorade uh, out a of a nice can. Golf session. Or maybe a nice <laughs> golf session. Well, then maybe a beer you yeah, know, well, while, while you're playing. While you're playing. But while then the Gatorades to get the electrolytes and everything back yeah. in the system so you can go well, home. And that's kind of how I feel about golf. If you, if you can have a beer during it, I mean, yeah, you're an athlete, but you're <laughs> say what you want. Well, I'm about interested it. to get your opinion on the the Baker thing. Then we can talk about that later. Though. I can't wait though. But Gatorade out of a can, and believe me when I say, is the ultimate game changer. Um, back in college, Gatorade actually made protein shakes back in the day. Um, and they're weight gaining protein shakes. Have you ever seen those? They're only like for colleges. They didn't really sell them um, to like you know, chain stores or grocery stores. Like it was like a college thing. And the way I can describe it, it was like a shake. It was like, um, it tasted like a thought out, like chocolate shake or strawberry shake. Okay. Very good. Now 400 calories per can, number one. And I used to drink two of them because if you, if you try to gain weight in college, yeah. The sugar content though. A lot. And apparently back in 2008 and 2009, sugar wasn't that big of a deal, right? It's kind of like how well, back in the day you can't eat butter because the cholesterol. Yeah. Turns out now butter's actually not that bad They're for you. They're putting it in their coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are bulletproof. Is it called bulletproof coffee? I don't drink yeah, I've coffee. I've had it actually before. It's actually not bad. Not like, bad. Like I bought it. It was on I think it was on sale at like Publix or something like that. And I yeah. bought it and brought it home and just made it a regular way. And then I was like looking at their sp- bulletproof specifically had like a thing on the back that sure. was like the best way to drink this. Yeah. And I saw that it was like, you got to put butter in it and like stir it, let it get frothy. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. Well, there it is. But the the Gatorade protein shake was fantastic. But once again, 30 grams of sugar. So in one setting, I'm taking 60 grams of sugar. I'm hyped up. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for my post-workout recovery. And then I kid you not, three hours later, every single day, just crash. Done. Just, just just hit the done. wall. And I had no idea why. Because let's be honest, I was at Murray State. We didn't really take pride in the nutrition aspect back then just because, you know, we were a smaller school and I was drinking Gatorade protein shakes and I was eating Spam and Rice every single day. Mm-hmm. Once again, in retrospect, Spam and Rice, probably not the best midnight snack, but that's what I did. Anyways, Coos. The Gatorade in the can, I didn't have until I got to Jacksonville. You know how they say, like, Coke out of a bottle? Like, you know, like, the green bottle is, like, a game changer, mm-hmm. or, like, Coke from McDonald's is just different? Yeah. Gatorade out of a can hits completely differently, and it's for all the best ways possible. Okay. It's just, it's it's an amazing thing. I don't know if they sell it online. I'm not sure if we can get our hands on it. I feel like back in training camp when we'd go cover it when it was, you know, pre-COVID-19, I feel like Rod, one of the trainers there, might have snuck one to me. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to snitch on anybody, but might want to snuck one to me one time. But uh, it doesn't get any better than Gatorade in a can. So if you have an opportunity to experience that, by all means, check it out. But once again, being Gatorade, go ahead and check the sugar content. And I, I, I understand. I sound so old right now when I say but check the real. sugar content. But seriously, there's a lot of sugar in those things. Yeah. But anyways, getting back to the, the whole Zach Wilson thing. I'm not sure how we got sidetracked on Gatorade, but nothing wrong with that. So today, Mike Florio, uh, a pro football talk, a guy who's very well known in the football circles, uh, tweeted out basically that the Jacksonville Jaguars have conducted two of the maximum five Zoom interviews with Zach Wilson already. 
and that Jacksonville QB coach Brian Schottenheimer spent time this week talking about John talking with John Beck about Wilson. Now John Beck, former BYU Coug himself, uh played quarterback for them. And it's funny because obviously I read this, I'm like, okay, well what else is new? But then you see the response from Jet fans. And you see the feeling like, oh no, is Jacksonville getting ready to take Zach Wilson? And let's be honest, we had the equipment manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we all kind of made jokes saying, what number is Trevor Lawrence going to take? You know, he's going to take 16. What are we talking about here? But then he also made the little comment, well, it could be number one. Who says it's going to be Trevor Lawrence? It might be Zach Wilson rocking number one. I get that people are throwing this Zach Wilson narrative everywhere right now, and it's fun. It gets the conversation going. It's opening our show right now, so congratulations. But y'all are crazy. And I'm talking to Jets fans who have a little shred of optimism that they can get Trevor Lawrence. I'm talking to the NFL experts out there that think that Zach Wilson is the top quarterback and that the Jaguars should take him. I'm talking to Jaguars fans right now that are a little nervous because they see these rumblings um, and they don't know what to think about it, right? Two of five interviews. Listen, we saw what Urban Meyer did at Trevor Lawrence's pro day, essentially stalking the dude five yards away, going on the field, making himself known, trying to put the pressure on Trevor Lawrence. That should tell you all you need to know about how Urban Meyer feels about this quarterback draft class. The fact that Trevor Lawrence essentially changed around his entire schedule, changed around the Clemson Pro Day in order to have surgery early so he's ready for a training camp because Urban Meyer told him to do that, that proves to me that Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville. So, New York Jets fans, I understand right now you guys are having a field day. There's a hint of optimism. Maybe you're popping bottles right now. It's a Friday and you're saying, hey, crazier things have happened in the NFL. And you know what? Yes, crazier things have happened, maybe. But it's not going to be Zach Wilson going ahead of Trevor Lawrence. We can assume right now that the talks between Shad Khan and Urban Meyer have been in fruition before he got here. For a while. It's not just like a couple months ago before Urban Meyer got here. You know, Shad Khan reached out to Urban Meyer. was like, all right, so what's up? You interested? No. These, this dialogue, this conversation, this has been going on for a while now. And it's been going on for a while, in my opinion, during the college football season as well. And the ironic thing of this college football season was week one, week two, let's go to week five, week six. What was the storyline? It was Trevor Lawrence. It was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Nobody was even talking about Zach Wilson. Yeah, BYU undefeated. Yeah, BYU ranked, you know, top 15. But Zach Wilson was kind of an afterthought until later on in the season. And then all of a sudden he became kind of that hot topic trend. And for whatever reason, Justin Fields falls by the wayside. But Trevor Lawrence always remained the same. No, he didn't win a national championship. But the hype, the intrigue, it stayed the same. Urban Meyer took this job in Jacksonville for Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer is not going to go, all right, Trevor, go ahead and schedule your surgery, move up your pro day, do all this stuff, and then take Zach Wilson. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to banter about back and forth. But can we please put on our, our realist glasses a little bit here 
NFL society, NFL experts. Is Zach Wilson going to be the best quarterback of this class? Time will tell. But let's be honest. If you're any GM right now in the NFL, and I know there's rumors out there saying that head coaches, like a head coach or a GM, like Zach Wilson more than Trevor Lawrence, I get that's a that's hearsay. But let's let's put on our real thinking caps real quick. If any GM or any head coach was to take Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence, what do you think that response would be? Who's any guesses? Riots maybe. Right for specifically here in Jacksonville, anywhere. But yeah, let's call it in Jacksonville. What it would th- not go over well. It would not go over well. And when you have Urban Meyer, his first year on the gig, when you have Trent Baalke, who's obviously he's had GM experience in the past, but his first go around as the Jaguars GM, do you really think that they're going to go out of their way and try to do the you know essentially make the riskiest of all plays and bring in Zach Wilson? Absolutely not. So, Mike Florio, I understand that it's fun to talk about this stuff, right? It it gets everybody amped up and gets everybody talking. But to sit here and make it breaking news that the Jaguars conducted two of the maximum five Zoom interviews, well, let's be honest. There is no combine this year, okay? And in terms of evaluating the talent, in terms of sitting down with players and getting them on the board, those days are done this year, okay? It's going to be a different type of landscape this year and how these scouts, how the general manager, and how coaches are going to evaluate talent. And they will truly be put to the test because there's going to be a lot of small school guys out there that aren't going to get their shine at the combine. There's going to be a lot of small school guys out there that are kind of unheard of right now that maybe some teams might take a chance on. And maybe it becomes the pick of the draft or maybe it backfires. But there is a lot of risk-reward this year, maybe more than ever before in the up-and-coming NFL draft. But in terms of risk, you're not going to risk Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. So let's put it to bed. The other big story that I saw today, and I'll be honest with you, I can't believe we're still here. I can't believe that I'm still talking about this thing. I feel like I've been talking about it every single day for the past two weeks, but As this quarterback carousel keeps on turning, new elements make themselves known. And the new element now, and let me make sure I bring this information up right here, because once again, I just, I had a hard time believing it. So ESPN's Jeremy Fowler expects the Bears to take their shot at Russell Wilson. And according to sources, Russell Wilson likes their emerging offensive line, an offensive-minded coach, and the Chicago market. Now, who leaked that to Jeremy Fowler? It wasn't obviously Russell Wilson. Is this another play by Russell Wilson's agent to try to drum up some interest a little bit? I have no idea. But like I always say, everybody, where there's smoke, there's fire. And the fact now we're talking about Russell Wilson liking the Chicago market, Russell Wilson liking Matt Nagy, and obviously liking that Bears offensive line, it's another wrinkle. It's it's another chapter in as the Wilson turns, let's just call it, of this soap opera. And to me, I, I'm going to be honest here. I think the, the whole market thing of Russell Wilson wanting to go to Chicago because of the market, 
we've gotten in this you know debate before between New York and Jacksonville. You can go back and forth and say the pros and cons um, of each city. Obviously, having that free state tax is good in Jacksonville. You know, the in, in terms of endorsements and things like that, maybe you find better ones in New York. But at the same time, this is the NFL, okay? Uh, this is the league where if you are a shining star on any team in any city, you you will be known. We're talking about possibly the most popular quarterback right now, Patrick Mahomes, playing in the middle of Kansas City. All right? We're talking about Baker Mayfield getting commercial after commercial after commercial. And you know what? Those Baker Mayfield commercials, they really grew on me. They really did. Now, maybe it's because he started winning. But I like the Baker, Field commer- the Baker Mayfield commercials now. I get a chuckle out of them. I'm expecting more. I can't wait. But you got Russell Wilson with Aaron Rodgers doing State Farm commercials. It goes to show you, if you're a quarterback and you play at a very high level, you're going to get the endorsements, man. You're, you're going to get the marketability. doesn't matter if you're Dak Prescott doing the, the yogurt commercials or if you're a Cam Newton in the past doing the yogurt commercials. If you're good, uh, if you're intriguing, they're going to find a spot for you. So the fact that the Chicago market is getting brought up by Jeremy Fowler in terms of something that Russell Wilson's interested in, Russell Wilson, I've seen you in Bose commercials. I've seen you in Sierra everywhere. I saw you do a Macklemore commercial. Macklemore being a Seattle rapper, obviously. Is he still making music, by the way, Coos? I haven't heard anything from him in a minute. Dude kind of went off uh, went off the grid a little bit. Yeah. Makes you wonder. And sure, took his yeah. money and retired. Well, I mean, hey, and despite what you think about Macklemore's music, I've made it public on Twitter how I feel about it. Don't need to bring it up on the show. But you got to respect that guy's hustle. I mean, he was an independent artist. He had his own label, made his hits. So, like, every every album that he sold or every download that he had went directly into his pocket. And obviously, he's a big Seattle Seahawks fan working with Russell Wilson. So, it's not like Seattle's a small market. It's not like people don't talk about the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seattle Seahawks are one of the bigger brands. I think Pete Carroll has something to do with that. I think Marshawn Lynch has something to do with that. I think the Legion of Boom obviously does. But obviously, Russell Wilson is the star there. He's the quarterback. He plays the most important position. So why are we talking about the Chicago market? If you're a top five quarterback already, if you were, you know, a half a season away from winning the MVP award this past year, why are you worried about the market? Russell Wilson, you can go wherever you want. You can go to a new expansion team and Timbuktu, as far as I'm concerned, and you'll still be a star. So the whole Chicago market thing kind of makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit uh, and kind of turn my nose at that. But the offensive line and the offensive-minded coach, those two things stick out to me. And once again, whether you believe the rumors of Wilson being interested in Chicago, whether you believe the rumors of Chicago being interested in Wilson and getting ready to get a trade package together, whatever the case may be, you can't deny the fact that Russell Wilson is fed up with his offensive line in Seattle and the offensive philosophy. And once again, it comes down to a coach's ego. It comes down to a coach who's always done things a certain way in Pete Carroll, who has a belief of how an offense should be ran. You run the ball first, you play great defense, and then all of a sudden, because you're a victim of circumstance, DK Metcalf gets going, Russell Wilson gets going, your pass game gets going, and then your defense sputters a little bit because they can't keep up. And then the team starts to look, you know, different than what Pete Carroll envisioned even though you're winning football games. What have I said on this show? 
You do what you got to do to make sure that your starting quarterback is taken care of. Whether that's from a philosophy, whether it's from an offensive line, whether it's from the confidence, whatever the case may be, you go above and beyond the quarterback position because you know why, everybody? That quarterback's worth it. Trevor Lawrence, he's worth it. Setting back a Clemson Pro Day, he's worth it. Making Trevor Lawrence get surgery a little early, he's worth it. Urban Meyer standing five yards away from Trevor Lawrence, he's worth it. Is Zach Wilson worth it? Don't know. Don't care. Give me Trevor Lawrence. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. Brent Martineau. This is an email. Why is WWE wrestling not being shown on Friday night? Austin Lane. Thank you very much. Read it right now. Read it right now. This could I be just for me. did. Why oh, is WWE? That's, that's it. That's I mean, it. that's why I thought. I don't know. I mean, Roman's only five. I don't know how many sentences he can make. Yeah, Smart some, kid. Somebody but... might have proofread it for him. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You got Travis Kelsey. No one knows Darren Waller because he plays for Las Vegas, and he. But he had 197 catches the last two years. But he's that kind of player. Six five and change. 250 pounds is where he's going to wind up being. And you can play him in line. He's physical as a blocker, even though he's not great. But he's at least gives effort. But you can you can put him, you know, flex him out in the slot, put him out wide. You can do so many different things with him. And Zach Ertz is not going to be there in Philly. So now you have Dallas Goddard, and if Pitts is is the pick, now you're giving your young quarterback Jalen Hurts a real opportunity, in my, in my opinion, to create some mismatches. Ty McShay. Because I have to know who I have to direct my negativity towards right now. And I said negativity with all due respect. Friend of the show, Todd McShay, stalked and chased down and equipped at the Clemson Pro Day, Todd McShay, as Brent was looking for some interviews. Uh, and we appreciate him giving him the sound bite. But the reason why I'm upset about Todd McShay is because he has the Philadelphia Eagles at number six in the latest Todd McShay draft, taking Kyle Pitts. Uh, and the definition is as follows. Despite the Eagles' glaring weakness at wide receiver, I'm mixing it up with Pitts at number six. It'd be the tenth time a tight end has been drafted before the first wide receiver off the board, and only four other tight ends have ever been taken in the top six. But here's the thing. Pitts is more than just a tight end. He's a matchup nightmare who can line up all over the place and has great speed, hands, and six-foot-six size make him extremely difficult to contain. Philadelphia should add receiver help in free agency. Put a Pitts-Dallas-Goddard pairing is a dream for any offensive coordinator. Kuz, he makes great points. He, He really does make great points. And we know what that Zach Ertz... Um, Dallas Goddard combination was, you know, when both were healthy, um, it was a lethal combination. I don't think that was just a Doug Peterson wrinkle. Like I think a lot of coaches in this league right now, how the, you know, when you had the elite tight end position covered, um, it opens up some interesting things. Ask the Raiders, ask the 49ers, obviously ask the Kansas City Chiefs. Having that game changing tight end can mean everything. Now, obviously, Kyle Pitts does approve himself. We're not ready to call him an all-pro as soon as he gets to the league. But a combination of speed, size, and his ability to line up all over the field, how could you not like that? And I get the point that he, maybe he's not the best run blocker, per se. But if you've watched any Kyle Pitts film, the guy plays with a sense of urgency 
and he plays with a sense of finish. And sometimes from the tight end position, that's rare to find, right? Because you think of a lot of tight ends, they're maybe a little more finesse oriented, right? Like, yeah, you're you're, you're going to block every once in a while, but you're getting paid to make touchdowns, right? You're, you're getting paid for all the receptions. But I get the sense that Kyle Pitts wants to be that dual threat guy. Like the last thing I want to see, honestly, and regardless of where Kyle Pitts goes, hopefully it's Jacksonville, but, you know, that's big time wishful thinking. But the last thing I want to see from Kyle Pitts is a team use him as just a wide receiver. Because I don't think he's that. I think he's, you know, he's such an athletic freak and in terms of size and statues, he's only going to put on weight. Why you wouldn't use him in the run game as well as a blocker, um, I think that if you don't, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your team a disservice. So obviously Philadelphia, they had the luxury of having Dallas Goddard ready. You can slowly bring Kyle Pitts along. But like Big Shea was saying, there's a lot of pressing needs in Philadelphia right now. And wide receiver being one of them. Yes, there's a there's a, a very deep pool of wide receiver free agents, assuming that Allen Robinson doesn't get tagged, Chris Godwin doesn't get tagged, Kenny Galladay doesn't get tagged. Like there's a lot of guys out there that the Eagles could pursue. But there's also a lot of guys in the NFL draft at the wide receiver position that the Eagles could like as well. So I'm still holding out hope. I hope that Kyle Pitts falls. It's once again it's wishful thinking, it's sunshine and rainbows. But I think if he gets past Philadelphia, because when you have teams like Detroit, uh, you know, Carolina, uh, San Francisco, Dallas, New York, I feel like there's other pressing needs in Denver, who they just drafted Noah Fant, Los Angeles, who has Hunter Henry as of right now. We'll see how, what happens with that. But I feel like if he can get past Philadelphia and maybe New York at number 11, you never know. You never know if Jacksonville trades up. Before I get into the Todd McShay mock draft, though, and the latest one that just dropped this morning, let's go to the ESPN 690 stream. Kuz, is that what we're calling it, right? Yep. I well, did chat, but yeah. Is it the ESPN 690 stream or the ESPN 690 chat? Chat. chat. Okay. Do you want me to change the graphic to help I'm you? I'm going to need you to change the graphic okay, okay. on one of the words. Either take out stream or take out chat. Okay, we'll change it to chat. But listen, I'm like Ron Burgundy. I read what's in front of me, all right? When I see ESPN 690 stream chat, guess what I'm going to read? Stream chat. Yes, sir. I'll change it to chat. No, I'm just kidding, man. You don't have to do that. That's that's extra work on a Friday, uh, and nobody likes that. That's a, but that's like, that's like, I'll just get some clip going. Okay, <laughs> well, regardless, though, uh, the ESPN 690 chat, um, and, you know, a lot of them I'm seeing right now, it is mock draft related a little bit, and I've seen this question a lot, not only on our show, but also all over Twitter. Xavion Collins. Inside linebacker, Tulsa. Now, let's do, first of all, do me a favor right now. Go ahead and take any preconceived notions about a guy coming out of Tulsa and has he gone against competition. For Xavion Collins, it does not matter. Okay? If you've seen any film on this guy, he's a freak. And, and I mean that and, and with all due respect. But this guy um, looks like he's NFL ready like right now. 6'4", at least 260 pounds, might weigh in a little heavier, we'll see, but built like a defensive end, plays like a safety, and is an inside linebacker. Now, you know how I feel about the 3-4 and what the Jaguars have right now. Miles Jack's going nowhere. This team is committed to him for a while. He's one of the leaders in that locker room. He's one of the pillars in that locker room. And you're you're going to be out of your mind if you even plan on trading Miles Jack for anything. Miles Jack's going to be on this team next year, come hell or high water. Joe Schobert's different. 
Because Joe Schobert, like, listen, if Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell were still here, well, then, yeah. Regardless if you do a 3-4 defense or a 4-3, Schobert's the man because you brought him in here. But let's keep in mind, Joe Schobert is not an Urban Meyer guy. He's not a Joe Cullen guy. They got here, and he was here. So they don't owe Joe Schobert anything. But with that being said, I'm not ready to call you know, call it up on the Joe Schobert experiment quite yet. I think that he's going to benefit from playing in this 3-4 defense, what we assume is coming. I think he's going to benefit from playing the mic position, making all the calls, and coming from north to south. Now, yeah, every once in a while, you have to go into coverage, of course, uh, depending on the look. But I think this defense coming up is going to fit Joe Schobert nicely. And I spoke about it a little more. You know, I mean, from Wisconsin, he played defensive end, played outside linebacker, played inside linebacker. Like, he he has the the football knowledge to be a great Mike linebacker, I believe, in a 3-4 defense. And that's one of the most important things, is having that knowledge to line up everybody, to make sure that you know where the gaps are going to be, to make sure what the offense is trying to do, and make sure that everyone stays in their gaps. Because we've talked about this before a little bit. Sensitive communication has been a problem in Jacksonville. If you bring the loss of communication to a 3-4 defense, it's going to be amplified like times five. And that's the last thing you want to see. So I don't mind Joe Schobert playing inside linebacker. But the question remains, Xavion Collins. You know who Xavion Collins reminds me of a little bit? And and you have to come with me a little bit here on this comparison because it's two different positions. But I remember when Khalil Mack came out of Buffalo, and you would watch Khalil Mack play, and you got the sense, okay, he's, he's, he's a little raw. Obviously, he's big. He's athletic. Um, you see everything is there, but he's raw. And he plays you know, in Buffalo, where you're not playing the highest competition per se. But at least I got the sense that when Khalil Mack got drafted, with his work ethic, his motor, eventually he was going to figure it out. That's exactly how I feel about Xavion Collins. I feel like Xavion Collins could be a stud in the NFL at the middle linebacker position for for years to come. Whether that's in a 3-4 defense or a 4-3 defense. In Todd McShay's mock draft right now, lo and behold, he's got Xavion Collins going 26. One pick after the Jaguars going to the Cleveland Browns. I think there's other pressing needs on this team. We talk about interior defensive line. We talk about the safety position. But to me, it depends what Joe Cullen, Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke think about this Xavion Collins guy. Is this like another Cleo Mack situation where all he needs is the right coaching and he's going to be a star, an all-pro, a potential Hall of Famer for years to come? Possibly. If you truly think that, do you pull the trigger? Possibly. But I just think there's other needs right now uh, that have to come on this team before the inside linebacker position, even if it is with a guy like Xavion Collins. When we come back in ESPN 690, who are the Jaguars taking at number 25? What's the latest on Todd McShay? And spoiler alert, it's not Christian Barmore. It's somebody different, everybody. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. We all know about Trevor. Zach Wilson is kind of this unique character, 
but he also doesn't have the big game experience like Fields does. You've got Trey Lance, who played at the FCS level and just started 17 games. And Fields, for playing two years at a big-time program, he did a lot of great things. But then you look at the Indiana game, the Northwestern game, the, the national championship game against Alabama, he just didn't play at a really high level. So it's tough to evaluate these four guys and kind of compare one against the other after you get past Trevor. Not sure who that was, but I agree with him. McShay. Okay, well, good. I mean, McShay knows what's up. Trevor Lawrence, QB1. And then everybody else can hash it out a little bit. I do, and this isn't really for selfish reasons, but a little part of me envies the New York media right now. Because you can go back and forth. You take Zach Wilson. Do you take Trey Lance? Do you take Mac Jones? Do you take Justin Fields? Like that's a fun conversation to be having right now, because you can make arguments for each one of them. Over here, I mean, hey, we just said and forget it. Trevor Lawrence, this. Trevor Lawrence, that. I mean, it's pretty easy on my part, and it's the best quarterback in my opinion in the draft. So it's not a bad thing. I'm not complaining by any means, but it makes my job pretty easy uh, when we talk about the first pick of the draft. Pick 25, though, is a different story. And I just kind of brought up Xavier Collins a little bit, and I see your comments out there. And by the way, got to address this real quick as well. Uh, Brett E., who I'm still convinced is actually Brett Martineau's burner account, but he says, since there's no Brent today, does this mean we're going to get a UFC 259 breakdown from Austin? And Brett, you better believe it, all right? Because this card coming up, UFC, it's a big one. And even if Brent was here right now, and, you know, I get sawgrass and players is coming up, but you better believe even if Brent was here, I would be fighting for my airtime to break down 259. So you better believe more than likely in the 5 o'clock hour, I will be addressing UFC 259. It's going to be a fantastic card. Style Bender versus Jan Blachowicz. Um It's going to be a fight for the ages, I feel like, and there's so much to talk about, so we'll address that later. And also in the 4 o'clock hour, for all you wrestling junkies out there, did not forget about you on Brett Martino's day off. We got Cody Rhodes calling in at 4 o'clock, everybody. So if you're an AEW fan, if you're a wrestling fan, a lot of news right now in terms of this weekend with AEW Revolution coming up. I got Cody Rhodes on. We're going to talk about it, all of it. So stay tuned for that as well. But let's get back to real quick Todd McShay's mock draft here. And I mentioned it. Pick number 25. And Christian Barmore has been kind of a consensus in terms of that's what everyone's talking about the Jaguars taking, which makes a lot of sense. Interior defensive line, um, you know, a, a guy, and keep in mind this too, and this doesn't get talked about enough. Charlie Strong, Urban Meyer's right-hand man, right? The number two, if you will, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Defensive-minded guy linebackers coach and you get the sense that he wants to parlay this situation here in Jacksonville and hopefully work himself up to maybe a coaching spot one day Urban Meyer values Charlie Strong big time and I think Charlie Strong is a great guy I think that he fits kind of like that that Urban Meyer mentality that work hard uh, mentality but the thing with Charlie Strong you have to remember is where he came from before he got to Jacksonville and that was Alabama where he was a defensive analyst. Well, who is mocked to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars more than anybody, it seems like? Christian Barmore. 
If anybody knows who Christian Barmore is, it's Charlie Strong. That is a supreme advantage to have right now on your team in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because all I'm going to say is this. If Christian Barmore goes number 25, I'm not going to be upset about it. I've spoken on this many times. I think a guy who kind of starts to show his true abilities towards the end of the season as opposed to showing the beginning of the season and then falling off, I would rather have the guy that's peaking at the end and not peaking in the beginning. But nevertheless, if Christian Barmore is drafted at pick number 25, well, Charlie Strong obviously vouched for him. And that's all I need to know, right? Because let's be honest here. And obviously the, the Doyle conversation comes into play here. But besides that, the coaches that have been hired, you trust Urban Meyer. When it comes to the X's and O's of football, whether it's Joe Cohen, whether it's Schottenheimer, you trust the guys that Urban Meyer has surrounded, you know, that has surrounded himself with. And one of those guys being Charlie Strong, who knows Christian Barmer better than anybody. So all I'm trying to say is if pick 25 comes up and the Jaguars fill a need and they say, you know what, we're taking Christian Barmore then you should trust that decision because they've done their due diligence. In a year that is different, in a year that you really have no combine, you can't see Ballmer next to other defensive tackles, all you have to go off of is coaches' evaluations and things like that. I would trust Strong, and I would trust Meyer. But but, um, Todd McShay actually has another guy that's been kind of labeled to go to the Jaguars, Trevon Morig who I also like, who can also play both safety positions, who I think when you switch to a 3-4 defense, you need to adjust the safety spot. So I'm not mad at that pick at all either. But to me, it's going to be very telling. Is is Trevon Moore going to be there? I'm not sure. I think he goes sooner. I think Christian Barmore is going to be there. I don't think even McShay has Barmore necessarily in the first round right now. If it is the first round, it's going to be towards the later end of it. But you cannot deny that having Charlie Strong here is a huge advantage compared to 31 other teams right now in this league because he knows Christian Barmore in and out. And you better believe Urban Meyer and that Jaguars defensive staff is going to do their due diligence. They're going to vet Charlie Strong about him, and they're going to have their decision. So if they don't pick Barmore in the first round, it tells you all you need to know about Barmore right there. Hopefully we got Cody Rhodes coming back when we come back here on ESPN 690.